Well, good morning again, everyone. If you're visiting, we're glad you're here. We hope you will come back whenever you're passing through town again. Nashville is very happy to have visitors who leave lots of money behind, so we appreciate you helping the local economy. And good to see others back. Uh, we love you all uh, there as well. Uh, you know, I, as been said, our hearts are very heavy this morning with the very, very unexpected loss of our sister Marla. So this next week, uh, we, we've got a number of people who are in circumstances of suffering and need prayer. So of all weeks, should be every week, but please of all weeks, let's form the habit now of taking these individuals to God in prayer. Uh, they're on our list. Uh, some, some are here today, some are not. So if you haven't already started uh, a daily prayer list, please consider to do that today. Prayer of, of, of the righteous can uh, make be of great effect. So let's take these people's names before God. This morning, we're going to be studying uh, an individual that uh, I don't know. I, I don't recall a whole lot of sermons about in the past. But we're going to be studying Judas. And the picture there of this uh, little basket full of coins uh, ties into what uh, Judas. We we'll want to know about Judas because he was the money bag keeper for the disciples. So let's talk about Judas for a bit this morning. Jesus called 12 disciples out of a large number of people who were following him to be specifically his apostles. The apostles were like ambassadors, those sent with authority. And so 12 specific disciples were called out to be of, of a greater position, greater responsibility, given a specific task compared to the multitude of disciples. On the day of Pentecost, there were 120 or so people in an upper room, and still only 11 at that time apostles in the room. Among these uh, disciples called out to be apostles was Judas. Now, when you read Judas, as we're going to see here in a second, almost all the time he's mentioned, he's called the traitor or the uh, betrayer. It's called out as to what we remember Judas about. You know, it, you still have a common usage today, well, don't be a Judas, which means don't betray me or don't uh, give it away. So when you look, as, as Jeff read a moment ago, when he's mentioned in Matthew chapter 10, where they were being sent out with power to do uh, works among the people, when Judas Iscariot is mentioned, it says Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. It's almost like that's part of his name. In Matthew 26, 25, Judas who would betray him. Again, it's almost like a long last name for Judas. Matthew 27, 3, then when Judas, his betrayer, and then when you look even at Mark 3, 18, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. You know, again, if it was his last name, maybe we've misinterpreted the Bible all along, but it's not his last name. It's because of what he is known for. Luke 16, uh, 6, 16, Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor, who became a traitor. So if we know anything about Judas, we probably know he is the one who betrayed Jesus. What else? do we know or should we know about Judas? What can we learn from the life of Judas that can make our lives better here today? Well, Jesus called 12 disciples specifically to be his apostles. Now, I know I said that, that was at the top of the last slide, but what did that mean? What did it mean when they were called to be specific apostles? Well, think about this for a minute. Judas walked with Jesus for three years. As part of that group of 12, he was in and around Jesus at very, very close quarters for three years. 
And in that time, he's with Jesus for that roughly three-year period, he saw miracle after miracle. The feeding of the 5,000, where they had only a small amount of food, really a child's lunch, that turned into the food that fed 5,000 people beyond what they were able to eat. You know, when we have a lunch back here, we usually have a whole lot of food brought in. We almost always don't eat it all, but we don't have 5,000 people eating lunch either. If 5,000 people showed up, I suspect we'd be calling for Domino's to bring some extra pizzas over. They didn't have Domino's out in the wilderness. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, he takes a small child's lunch of a few small fish, really almost the size of sardines. That's what the fish was in the Sea of Galilee that they were famous for, and a couple of loaves, and through his miraculous power, feeds everyone. Judas was one of the people who saw that happen took the food and passed it around to all the people seated down and then collected a whole lot more food than they had in the initial. He saw it. He saw it. He also saw the calming of the sea. Shortly thereafter, when the disciples are rowing across the sea and the storm's coming up, Judas saw Jesus say, peace, be still, and the storm just disappeared in an instant. You know, I've seen that in movies or TV shows where they show the boat rocking. And I can tell it's a special effect where they chop and all of a sudden the boat's on water that isn't moving at all. You and I all know that that is not the way they can film it today. That's the way it happened, according to what the Bible tells us. The special effect, as it were, was the miracle Jesus caused when he said, peace be still. How incredible would that have been to see? Judas was in the boat. He was in the boat and saw that happen. He also was present and knew about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. If these first two that I've called out among many miracles that Judas would have seen, if those weren't big enough, he was around when Lazarus was raised from the dead. His sisters were like, you really don't want to go over to the tomb. It's been several days and the language is even such that by now he stinks horrible odor coming from the tomb. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Judas saw it. Power over material things, food. Power over the elements. Power over death itself. He saw it all. He saw Jesus up close and personal. He also heard the teachings of Jesus over that three-year period. He was there for the Sermon on the Mount. So he heard all of the Beatitudes. He heard all of the uh, statements and teachings of Jesus, including a wide road leading to destruction and a very narrow gate to enter in. And there would be few who would find it. He heard all of the teaching. I mean, the chapters of Red in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Judas was there for that when he sat down and taught them. He saw and was around for the warnings that were given to the Pharisees about hypocrisy. Showing off uh, the love for God when in fact they were more wanting to be seen by others. The dangers, if you will, of playing to the crowd rather than living for God. He heard those teachings. He also heard the parable of the prodigal son, which I think is really important to remember Judas heard that. The individual who, in effect, had betrayed his father 
by demanding that his portion of the inheritance be given to him by saying, Dad, you're already dead to me. I want my portion of the inheritance by offending in the highest possible way his father and going off and wasting everything he had through what the Bible, the King James calls riotous living, spending it on wine, women, and song, so to speak. But he also heard the parable when after all of that, the son in that lost condition in the pig pen came to himself. And when he came to himself, the prodigal son didn't say, there's no hope left for me. There's absolutely no reason for me to think about going back to my father. That's not what the prodigal son did. The prodigal son said, I will go to my father and I will tell him I have sinned before heaven. And the father welcomes him back. Judas heard heard about the son who went back home to his father even after effectively saying you're dead to me dad he was there he heard these teachings and so much more he had so many opportunities to see Jesus in action and to hear him so much more of course than any of us will ever have we're not going to see Jesus live and in action we're not going to hear his words directly echoing from his mouth, yet Judas betrayed Jesus. Look at the commitment Judas had made. In that three-year period where he was around seeing all the miracles and hearing all of the teaching, look at the commitment that Judas made to the cause, to following after Jesus. In Matthew and Luke 9, verses 1 through 6, this is, in fact, echoed in an episode of The Chosen. If you haven't seen that, that's well worth your time. Where Jesus sent out the 12, two by two, to go around into the countryside. That's what this is talking about. So look what Jesus said to the 12. Again, the 12. This includes Judas. He, Jesus, called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Judas was given authority to cast out demons and to cure diseases. Judas almost certainly would have been involved in calling down the power of God to cure disease, whether that could have been a leper, we're not told what Judas did, but different diseases, or whether it could have been someone that had epilepsy, whether it could have been someone whose legs wouldn't allow them to walk, whether it could have been somebody who was blind. I don't get the impression that they went around curing a cut on the back of somebody's hand. It would have been an incredible miracle. He, he performed miracles of healing. He was given power to heal. And demons living in the world then. Judas among the twelve was given power to cast them out. And Jesus said to them, verse 3, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics Go with what you got on your back. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. And wherever they will do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. And they, the twelve, departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Judas gave the commitment to become a preacher of the gospel, sharing the good news everywhere he went. He was a healer. He had authority over demons. He had a very active ministry, as it were. And yet that was no guarantee 
no guarantee that he would follow Jesus. He became the betrayer anyway. Sometimes people think if they have problems, I'll, I'll become more active in worship services or church, and that will solve my problems. Not if you're not drawing closer to God and keep your heart in his hands. Judas made a very, very strong commitment to doing the work God wanted him to do. And yet, Judas made his own choice. He made his own choice. Satan had been after Judas. When you look in Luke 22, verses 3 and 4, then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. This is the same Judas we've been talking about. He went away, Judas went away, and conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him, Jesus, to them, the chief priests and the officers. Satan entered into Judas. John 13, 2, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, to betray Jesus. It appears that even though Satan enters into Judas, Satan is after Judas, Judas had left the door open, as it were, for the devil to come on in. Look with me here. John 12, verses 1 through 3. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Again, Judas knew Lazarus had been raised from the dead. Judas is there along with all these others. They gave a dinner for him there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. What dinner conversation do you think that would have been? Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard. We have no idea what nard is and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, as an aside, right there is a strong indication John was there. I can imagine as he's writing this down, he remembers the fragrance that filled the house. That's a, that's a comment of an eyewitness when you can remember. Think about waking up so many times. You might've smelled bacon as a child. You can just wake up in the house. You knew what, that's what John's thinking about right here. I don't think nard is bacon, but uh, it, it smelled wonderful. And John remembers that Judas is there. How do I know? Look at the next verse. But Judas is carried, again, having seen this expensive fragrance, broken and spilled all over Jesus' feet, filling the house. Judas is carried, one of the disciples. Notice again, he who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii? That's nearly a year's wages. And given to the poor. Why was this wasted on your feet, Jesus? Is effectively what Judas is asking here. Well, John comments years later, this is John speaking next. Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. Having, having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. There's the door that has been left open for Satan. <clears throat> Judas, being the keeper of the money bag, Judas being the one who took care of the money, there's that temptation. He had been taking money out of the money bag. And he sees as well an opportunity when he goes to the chief priest to get some more money. Satan says, you know, you can get a little more money if you for try to force Jesus' hand. Betray him to the chief priests, right? Maybe he'll show himself to be the Messiah you think he ought to be. It doesn't matter. You're going to get some more money. That's the, essentially the devil whispering in Satan's ear. By the way, this is why we have segregation of duties. 
we have multiple people looking after money. That's to keep our worst inner natures from showing themselves. Judas was given the money bag, one person, and he used to help himself to it. So Judas had been tempted to steal from the group's money bag and apparently had done that for his own wants and needs. The devil used that open door that Judas left to pull him completely away from Jesus. Now here's an important point I want you to think about this morning. No one leaves Jesus without walking away on their own. The devil cannot pull somebody away from Jesus who stays focused on God. The movies all say differently, right? In the movies, you've got this righteous person and the devil just snags him. And there's no choice, the person in the movies or the TV shows make. The devil's too powerful for me. That is not true. The devil can do nothing if we keep our eyes on the prize, if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, if we keep our heads down and we love God, we love our families, and we love our neighbors. Period. Judas left the door open, and the devil is very good at finding a way in if the door is left open with a crack. That's really the danger, if you will, of sin in our lives that we don't focus on changing. Sin in our lives is like that door cracked open. And we, we tell ourselves, yeah, but it's a small thing. It's a small thing. It's not that big a deal. I'm, it's not like I'm Judas the betrayer. Well, the problem is always that by leaving sin in our life and not trying to get rid of it, the door's open and that just means the devil has an easier way to get in the next time and the next time. Have you ever considered this question? Jesus did not send Judas away. He did not kick him out of the group of the apostles. In fact, Jesus fed Judas on the night he's betrayed. Couldn't Jesus have just said, you're not one of my 12, get out. <clears throat> Judas made his own choice. And Jesus was showing love to Judas until the very end. Look at John 13, 21 through 26, in the account essentially here in the Gospel of John of, of the Last Supper. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. Like, Who's he talking about? One of the disciples whom Jesus loved was reclining at the table at Jesus' side, so Simon Peter motioned to him, instigated, this is John they're talking about here, figure out who he is. You ask him, who is it? So that disciple leaning back against Jesus said to him, Lord, who is it? Who's this person you're talking about? Who's gonna betray you? And Jesus answered, it is he to whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So Jesus takes the piece of bread, dips it in the, the main part of the meal, is the stuff you're dipping in, right? And he hands it to Judas, the son of Simon is carried. Jesus fed Judas. Far from showing hatred, far from trying to protect himself, he lets the choice remain with Judas. Judas also had a final choice. He makes this choice. He betrays Jesus. But he had another choice to make. Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5. Then when Judas, his betrayer, 
saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind. This is great news. He changed his mind, right? He decided this is not what should have happened. I have made a mistake. He changed his mind. And what does he do? He brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. There's a recognition of his sin. He's confessed the sin out loud. And they said, what is that to us? See, do it yourself. And throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, he departed and he went and hung himself. He was so close, having recognized his sin, he faced the final decision. He betrayed Jesus. When he betrayed Jesus, was he doomed? Was there no way back for Judas? While life remains, no one is ever doomed. I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care what you've done. If you are still alive, the opportunity is still in your hand to come back to God. I've said this many times. God doesn't care what you did last week. God doesn't care what you did yesterday. God doesn't care what you did this morning. He cares what you do right now. He didn't care that Judas had betrayed Jesus. He cared at this time, what are you going to do now, Judas? I've sinned. I have shed innocent blood. That's correct, Judas. What are you going to do now? His final choice is the wrong one. His final choice is the wrong one. Compare Judas to Peter. Compare Judas to Peter, same time frame. Peter denied Jesus with oaths and cursings publicly. I don't even know the man. Peter went out and wept bitterly, but he returned to God. Peter's Sin, as it were, parallels to some extent the prodigal son we talked about a few minutes ago. Peter had effectively left Jesus and left God. I don't know this God. I do not know this Jesus. I don't have anything to do with them. But he comes back. Judas went out and hung himself. You see the difference in the final choice that each man made? I'm a firm believer that Judas could have come back to God. There's, there's not a time when you can ever be so far from God, you cannot come back. No one, and I will repeat that again, no one, no one is ever so far from God they cannot come back. That is the ultimate number one lie the devil tries to sell to humanity. Give up, you're too far gone. From the father of lies. Peter came back. Judas could have. Judas fell for that lie from the devil. He thought I am so far gone. There is no hope for me. Please don't fall for the same lie that Judas did. Don't let anyone else fall for that lie. I will tell you. And I don't mean this to be in any way disrespectful, Marla made her final choice. Her final choice was to live for God. That's a great choice. What's my final choice going to be? What's yours? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everyone, 
always, while they are alive and walking the earth, has the opportunity to come back to God. God is begging today through the gospel. We're begging here today. If there's something that you need to make right with God, please don't wait. We never know when it will have our final decision. We'll never know when our final choice is here. Make the choice to live for God. Now, if you're already a member of God's family and you've got that door left open for the devil to come in, the way you close that door is you come back to God and say, God, just like the prodigal son said, I have sinned before heaven and in your sight. Please forgive me and I will live better for you. We do that by going to God in prayer. We are happy to do that with you. If you're not a member of God's family, you need to come to God in the first place. You need to understand that you're in a sinful condition as all of us are. You need to understand that Jesus died to pay the price for your sins. You need to confess his name to change your life from wrong to right and then to be buried with him in baptism to die to your old self so that you can be raised to walk as a new person. Final choice remains with each of us this morning. What will your choice be as we stand and sing?